is working. So there we go. Thank you, everybody, so much for being here uh, into our podcast with Transcend with M. And I am excited to have, have Noel here with us today. We've had had some technical difficulties, but we made it, Noel. We made it. We persevered. <laughs> We're very resilient. <laughs> we did. We did. So um, Noel was introduced to me, and this is like the power of connection, right? We we never know who we can meet, by who we can meet them. Um, and the stories that you find are fascinating, are amazing. And it's an extremely amazing way of getting to know people. So, Noelle, welcome to the Transcend With Them podcast. Who is Noelle? How is like her story brought her where she is today? Okay. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm very excited to chat with you tonight. And I kind of wear many hats. Um, I am an anxiety coach. I work with kids and adults on anxiety, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I'm a children's author, written two books, ABC Worry Free is one, and Are You a Bird Like Me? I actually wrote with one of my sons. And then I'm also a neuroeducational consultant which just means that I do workshops for schools, corporations, families, um, typically on subjects such as anxiety and executive function, growth mindset, uh, resilience comes into the conversation a lot. Mm -hmm. I do work on neuroscience, how you can make your lessons in school more brain friendly, more appealing to the brain. So those, those are the, my, my general topics. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what is Noelle's story? Like, why did she decide to pursue this career? What is her background? What is there to know? Well, it's kind of a, I'd say, a process of connecting the dots. I began as a classroom teacher, and then I was a learning specialist. I really was interested uh, in kids that had some learning challenges, so I became a learning specialist. I started off teaching kids with dyslexia with learning-based disabilities. And then I became a learning specialist. And then I evolved into a neuroeducator. I became really, really interested in the neuroscience about the brain. And what I mm. learned was just really pivotal for me. I have four sons. And I can say that all of my sons love learning, but they didn't necessarily love school. And for somebody mm. who's a teacher, I was like, oh my goodness, what's wrong? And I didn't quite know how to help them. And what I realized that when the brain is stressed, whether it's frustration, anger, anxiety, could be not seeing relevance to what you're learning, or it could be, um, you know, some anger or, or, you know, other emotions that just kind of get your brain revved up. And in the, your executive function, if you're, well, for example, I, and times when I was in school, say pop quiz subject I say for example, yeah. teacher, and and I would be my my own, not sure how to do, and pass the test, and then I would spiral, mind thinking, do the work those thoughts to the teacher 
mm-hmm. the teacher might be expecting like I was listening. I wasn't a behavior issue, but I was mm-hmm. very much in my and then when it came time to test or a quiz, the information went into my brain. So when we're highly free or anxious, those are just some examples. Or boredom. That's another one. If kids are bored in school, it can be enough to hijack their thinking brain. So that's what was happening to me. My emotional brain was hijacking my thinking brain and I lost all of my, let's say my highest level thinking skills, my ability to think critically and to process and remember information temporarily went out the window when I got highly anxious. So I started connecting the dots. Uh, I realized, oh my goodness, that's why I don't remember a lick of science class as a kid. Or that's, (laughs) my kids were definitely bored I would say for them, it was more, they were bored in school and they were not seeing the relevance sometimes to a certain subject. And so they were trying to find ways to make school a little more interesting to them. So they might start to make jokes in class and get attention that way to make that class a little more interesting for them. So Mm -hmm. they weren't paying attention if they're working on, you know, being um, a comedian in class, they might not be paying attention. So... So I thought that that was really powerful to learn this. And I felt more teachers and parents needed to be aware about what can Mm -hmm. happen to the brain when it is stressed. And so then I shifted gears and that's when I started um, my own business. Well, I always, the learning specialist um, part of my life, that was my own business as well, but I founded Neuro Mm -hmm. Consulting. And then I started doing workshops for teachers, helping them make their lessons more brain friendly, uh, help, helping them be aware that kids that might present as behavior problems, that's not always the case. Behavior's communication, it's trying to tell us something. And that child might be in that state of boredom or anxiety, for example. And we gotta kind of figure mm-hmm. out what's going on with that child. And I was seeing more and more of this happening in schools and more teachers and parents were, were sharing with me that they were having more anxious kids and more kids that were acting out and zoning out. So yeah. I, I really noticed that as I was observing classrooms when I was out in the field and I, I just felt there was something there that needed to be addressed. So that's when I shifted gears. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I was having this conversation the, the other day that being a teacher is a vocation right? Like you need to care this much, like you cared in order to pursue that line of work where you are actually embedded and completely committed to make it better and to to provide the teachers with the tools that they need because each kid is different. Each learning experience is completely different. And what goes through their little heads is totally different. Absolutely. And unfortunately, even in undergraduate teacher training, a lot of this information isn't shared. And so I don't feel we're doing the best we can to support teachers. I feel that they're going into their jobs sometimes not fully prepared. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as I mentioned 
at the beginning, Monica, my kids love learning, but they weren't loving school. I had mm -hmm. been a teacher for many years at that point, by the time I had children. And I had, you know, received this training about what happens when the brain gets highly stressed, or I didn't know a whole lot about executive function. And so I felt that teachers needed more training about that, whether they were um, veteran teachers, there are there are some teachers that might go on their own and take some trainings and learn about this, but very often it's something that either the school might be supporting and bringing somebody in to do some professional learning, but it's not something that's typically taught at the undergraduate level. So I, I want to be more supportive to teachers. I, I love being a teacher and I feel that they have very challenging jobs and I, I mm -hmm. feel that I, I want to give them more information that can make their jobs um, more more enjoyable and 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 make that cultivate this really wonderful environment in their classroom and to perhaps look at some of the kids that are struggling with a new lens. Okay. And and I sorry, I'm like you're talking and I'm like processing. <laughs> and and how I guess my question is like how do they take this information, right? Because you prepare for so long, you do your bachelor's, you do your master's, you go and you do your um you do your your uh, internship, right? Uh, the apprenticeship, everything. But then do you really talk about these topics during all that education? Are you really prepared for Typically, what is coming when you hit the classroom? It's a great question. Typically, you might receive a class or two about this information. Mm -hmm. You're not getting the practical applications of how to, let's say, handle these situations when you're actually in the moment in a classroom. You know, what do you do when a child is anxious? If you haven't received specific training in anxiety, you may do something that actually could make it worse. And you may be like doing a very loving, kind, caring thing. For example, um, you might be saying, don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Those aren't very effective responses for, especially mm -hmm. for, anxious, for anxious kids. So yeah. you know, there are certain responses language-wise, and there are certain uh, ways that we can respond just with maybe a quick reset or a strategy that could be done in a classroom mm -hmm. very quickly that could help bring that anxiety down for a child and help get their thinking brain back in charge. Mm -hmm. That child could present though, as if they're a behavior problem. You know, they, they might get irritable. Um, they could start to look out the window looking like they're not interested. They could start to, you know, kind of feel some physical symptoms and say they have to go to the nurse. They might feel sweaty or they might get a tummy ache or they might say they're nauseous. So uh, there's all different ways that anxiety can present itself. And it may, it may present like a behavior issue versus um, yeah. a child that's just anxious, you know, about protecting, maybe it's math class or maybe it's time to write. Those are two, two subjects that uh, a lot of kids can get anxious about. Mm, okay. 
And I guess, is there a conversation with the kids about this? I would, from the teacher? Yeah, I mean, are we having these conversations to make the kids aware of how they are wired? I, I'm just curious if this is a, I mean, granted that I'm not a teacher for a reason, right? Like I, I think, I think other things, but I guess I'm curious. I guess it's also my ignorance to, to being in the classroom. Like how do you communicate to a kid to be aware of certain things that are driving that behavior right well when teachers start learning about this i find mm -hmm. that at first when a teacher is going to professional development or professional learning situation mm -hmm. some of them might be excited about it some of them might not be so excited and some um might be a little reluctant it really depends sometimes on the topic and what they they might say mm -hmm. oh i already know this or we've heard this before so they, it's really a mix usually as far as how teachers receive this. From my personal experience, when I have done trainings with teachers, even those who may come in a little reluctant or not sure about this, the majority walk away very excited, very inspired, and they walk away with practical applications of what they could do as they leave that that room or that training, they could start something the next class or the next day. So I have found that one of the great places to start is just help teachers talk about the brain in very simple ways. So you could start to learn about your thinking brain and how your emotional brain can take over when you might get anxious or frustrated or angry or bored and help kids start to notice. You know, some, some, some teachers, I, I have found more attention is being brought to this now. I would say definitely COVID brought more attention to social emotional learning and emotional management. And we were definitely hearing a lot of teachers saying that they were having more, more anxious kids and more behavior issues that they, that they hadn't had that same level before. So, Teachers were more interested, I would say, during COVID to get some new tools in their toolbox that they could use with their students. So I would say, like, for example, some teachers might do a quick check-in at the beginning of a class. You know, they may just show some emojis um, and ask kids to kind of identify which emoji kind of looks like or feels like you right now. And then... Mm -hmm. They might do a quick little breathing activity that might just do three deep, slow breaths in a row. It might take like two to three minutes just to kind of do a quick check-in that helps to start build self-awareness. And if this is done regularly, a teacher could just say, when she starts to notice kids are unraveling a little bit, if they've had practice with this, she could just say, quick body, mind check. And the kids mm -hmm. would know to just kind of pause for a moment, do a quick little assessment where your thoughts are, how's your body yeah. feeling, you know, and you teach them that when you get stressed, you get these warning signs in your body. 
you might feel sweaty, you might feel a tummy ache or a headache, or you might feel clammy, or you might have jumpy knees, or maybe you feel tightness in your jaw. Mm -hmm. Start to notice those warning signs. And then we could do a quick reset. I think that's a really good word for kids to learn is to pause and reset instead mm -hmm. of just quitting, right? Let's take a break and come back. And these breaks are designed to be short. You know, sometimes yeah. I think that teachers are working very hard and, and start to think sometimes thinking that, oh my gosh, one more thing on my plate. Oh, now we've got to learn about breathing activities or now I need to learn how to do resets. I'm already under the gun to try to get all, you know, to get through all this content. And now I have to do this on top of things now. So they can get, I think, sometimes concerned that they're not going to get through their content if they're stopping to do these. What I have found is you get kids back and they start to develop some good social, well, I'd call it emotional management skills. And then they're more, their thinking brain is in charge now instead of the emotional brain. And now kids, you're not going to have to, the kids are going to be more engaged and focused and you're not going to have to reteach. And very often yeah. teachers are finding they have to reteach information, which wastes time. So I, I have found from my personal experience, this saves time when I do these because I get the kids back. And then mm -hmm. their information is going into their brain. It's going to process. They're going to remember it more. Instead of the next day coming back and they're looking at me like, what did we do yesterday? What's this? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't learn anything, right? That's uh, that's a very common sentence I hear from some of my daughter's friends. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't learn anything. She was just talking, talking, talking. <laughs> yes. And that's it's one very Yeah. It's very interesting to hear their perception of you know, how it could be so different from, from my daughter to another of her friends. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Right. Well, that's one thing that I might do if I was helping teachers with their lesson design. I actually will intentionally have them do more pauses and checks where yeah. the students talk to each other. Because I, yeah. I have observed sometimes it can be up to like, 80% of the time the teacher's talking and about 20% of the time the kids are talking. So who's getting better at the content? Mm -hmm. If the teacher's doing most of the talking, they're getting better. I want to get the kids talking about this. So I try yeah. to make a shift with that by doing periodic checks with the kids talking to each other or doing a quick activity that is directly related to what we learned or a quick draw or a quick write something to show me, I need feedback to see what you're taking in. And I don't want to find out the next day or even the end of that class that I thought that you were taking in a lot of this information and clearly that didn't happen. I can make some mm -hmm. adjustments much sooner in my lesson, realizing, ooh, yeah. okay, that didn't go in as planned. Let's do a redo here. And I, yeah. I think it really saves time. Yeah. No, it's very interesting. And I applaud you from for having the, the, the courage to actually approach it this way. Because I really, honestly, I told you, when I met you, you were the first person I've ever met that actually takes this approach or that is helping 
teachers with this approach. I've never met anyone doing this before. So that's it's pretty it's pretty amazing and commendable. Let's talk about the books. Tell me about your books. The first book is called ABC Worry Free. And that book came from a place of this increase in anxiety that we're seeing in kids. I Mm -hmm. actually wrote it prior to COVID. So a lot of people think, oh, this spike in anxiety is just due to COVID. There really was a spike prior. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the last decade or so, (laughs) we've seen a steady increase in anxiety. And COVID put it, you know, kind of added gasoline to the fire. And yeah. the kids who had the, the most trouble were kids that didn't have some skills with coping of how to handle these, this uncertainty that we were all dealing with. And so, excuse me. Um, yeah, so that, oh, I totally forgot where we were going with this. Remind me. You were, I asked you about the, oh, book, the book and you were telling me about book. ABC. Yes. Yeah. So the book, so yeah, a lot of people think that it was COVID but it actually um, had been on the incline. And I was like, I gotta do something about this spike in anxiety. And where I was an anxious kid, I thought, okay, I could have used a book, you know, with some kind of actionable strategy that could help me in those times, something that I could do in real time on my own. You know, obviously I could do it with somebody too, but. I wanted something that I could do any place, anytime. So the story came from actually one of my sons who was uh, stung by bees that, and he had multiple. So that is where the story started. And through the story, you learn about anxiety. You learn how it works, how it affects your mind, how it affects your body. You learn that in in anxiety, one of the common patterns is that you might want to avoid something that's anxiety provoking. So of course, bees are something that you do want to avoid, right? So that's obvious. With anxious kids though, they may want to avoid taking a test or they may want to avoid getting on the bus or going to a sleepover or even trying a new food. could be anything. So I was trying to have this through the story have a situation where the main character would learn a strategy of how to get back to to how to face this fear of bees. And in the story, he ends up deciding that he's never going to go outside and play again. So that's his way of dealing Mm -hmm. with it. And he's miserable. And he's thinking that, okay, I can be safe and not have to deal with any of this stress and worry if I just stay inside. So he's watching his friends play. He's he's just completely miserable seeing them have fun outside. They're playing hide and seek, his favorite game. They're playing street hockey and he's stuck inside. So that's what happens a lot with anxiety is your world starts to get small and you think mm-hmm. that avoiding um, is the answer. And it usually, you're, you're still not feeling in that moment you may get a little decrease in anxiety thinking like, okay, I didn't have to take the test. When the test rolls around again, though, you still haven't learned a skill to help you deal with taking tests. So in the story, he learns the main character is Max and he learns a strategy from his older brother who was at one time afraid of dogs. 
So he learns the ABC strategy, which A stands for accept how you feel. I had mentioned earlier in the podcast that a lot of times with anxious kids, we're, we just say to them, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Don't think about that. Mm. Not effective for, especially for anxious kids and adults. So you accept how you feel like, yeah, I am feeling some anxiety right now. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned how I'm going to do in the test, or I'm worried about getting on that bus. I don't know anybody or where am I going to sit? And so we accept how we feel that it's normal, yeah. right? It's normal from time to time to feel anxious and then do that slow, deep breathing. The B step is the breathing. When okay. we're anxious, we tend to, to breathe in short, shallow breaths. And when we can slow down the game a little bit, and do slow, deep breathing, that sends a message to the brain and body to get yeah. your brain in charge back, to get it back um, and to pump the brakes. And then the C step is about change your thinking. So if you could reframe what you're concerned or worried about into a new perspective or a way of thinking about it that can help you move forward, we can be worried and move forward at the same time. And sometimes when we're worried, we think we can't do things. We can actually do both at the same time. So mm -hmm. for example, in the story, Max learns to accept, he has this worry about the bees. He does the slow, deep breathing. Then he changes how he thinks about this. He thinks, thinks about all the fun he's going to have with his friends once he gets back outside. Instead of thinking about he's going to get stung the minute he walks out the door. So yeah. <laughs> these are an example of something you want to be aware of. You don't want to go out and go near. Yeah. So we'd want to obviously teach kids to take some precautions. It's not the type mm -hmm. of thing that should prevent you from playing outside with your friends yeah. again. So, so that's a strategy that can be applied to all sorts of situations. I use it all the time myself. Um, I use it with kids and adults and it could be for anything that somebody's worried about is to accept how they feel, do that slow, deep breathing to just kind of send a message to the brain and body to slow the game down. And then let's reframe this in a new way. Instead of sending an emergency message to your brain that this isn't gonna go well, or that this is a catastrophe or a disaster or will be a disaster, let's think about this in a way that's more objective and let's maybe in a problem solving way, let's think about how we can move forward. And that sends a whole different message to the brain than sending the message of, you know, mayday, mayday. So yeah, that, no. that's the first book. Um, yes. And I've used that. I, I use that a lot in my workshops as well. Yeah. And we can apply that to our lives, no matter, you know, no matter what you're doing. You know, I like, I like the, the awareness that brings into, right. You're talking about it here. And I was like, <laughs> I could have used those tactics all day today. Yeah. In my workplace, right? So um, yes. it's something It's something that sometimes we avoid conversations, sometimes we avoid certain things, right? Um, but at the end, they're inevitable and we have to face them. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to be running around the same circle all the time uh, and you're never going to overcome it, right? 
So I think as adults and as children, we we all have, we can use those tactics that you teach on, on that book. That's pretty amazing. And yeah. the second one? And the second book is called Are You a Bird Like Me? And that's a book that's also about facing fears. The first book is a little more, I would say, of a teaching tool. You could use it as a bedtime story. You could use it in a classroom. You could use it. A counselor might use it and really kind of dig down a little bit more. Um, this story is is a little bit, I'd say, less of a teaching tool as far as the, the ABC Worry Free is, is a very direct, you walk away with three steps that you could practice mm -hmm. right away. But this is more implicit, I say. You see the characters facing a challenge and they really come together uh, to problem solve. Mm -hmm. And they, they learn to kind of keep themselves uh, in a state where they're able to keep their thinking brain in charge and problem solve versus just panicking. Yeah. And so this book has some really, uh, from the feedback I get from kids, they really love the characters. Actually, you, I don't know if you can see, these are a couple of the characters in the background. Yeah. Um, they're, they're a very collaborative, friendly group of characters and they really work well together. Even That's with, amazing. Yeah, the, the little bird uh, falls out of her nest and then, she can't she can't fly yet so she's not able to get back mm -hmm. to her nest her parents have gone out searching for worms and she's trying to figure out how to get back home but she needs the help of others so she asks every character that she meets are you a bird like me and yeah. despite everybody being different everybody collaborates and it's amazing the things we can do when we work together even with somebody yeah. or, you know who's not just like us so there's some great themes about courage, resilience, perseverance, working together. Forward. There we go. Okay. So both books, oh. yeah, both books have some similar themes between mm -hmm. resilience, facing challenges, perseverance the help of others coming together to help to help mm -hmm. you move forward. So yeah, I feel that they're great resources for parents uh, and for teachers and, and for kids, of course, and, and counselors. That's amazing, that's amazing. So we know that you help teachers and that you help, but what are you available for? out there what can people reach out to you what what are the conversations you want to have with people well i have traditionally worked with schools and then i started working with a lot of families definitely mm -hmm. i've been hearing from a lot of parents that they're they're dealing with anxious child or two and then i have been working more and more with adults that didn't used to happen that has Mm. something over the last four years I've been working with some very very successful people who are dealing with anxiety and want to learn some ways to manage it better mm -hmm. and then I started working with corporations recently as well over the last few years so I, I would guess my reach has just expanded uh, it used to be all schools and I'm wearing different hats now and I really do love writing the books. 
And I, I have a few more that are in the queue that I'm, I'm excited to share. And I, I know that they will have similar themes. This part about facing mm -hmm. challenges, resilience, perseverance, knowing how to move forward even when you feel uncomfortable, I think are really important themes to, yeah. to reinforce with our children. And there are some things that, you know, sometimes I get concerned that sometimes, you know, we might be stepping in too soon for our kids sometimes and that to build resilience, they need to sometimes make some mistakes or, or fail and get themselves back up mm -hmm. and to try again. So I like to create characters who do that and, yeah. and, and use words and language that helps support that, uh, that idea of, of resilience. So it's interesting when I went to a brain conference, probably, geez, almost 15 years ago, I can remember they said that here's what we know about the brain to be true. And, you know, just to go back to our earlier conversation about the impact that mm -hmm. stress can have on the brain and how it can kind of hijack how it does hijack your, your executive function and your thinking skills. I remember hearing that it will probably take about 20 years, maybe a little wow. more to get this mainstream into the classroom. And I remember thinking, no, it can't be that long. Like we know we have the scientific evidence about this. Yeah. And now I'm kind of seeing it happening that it is talked about more, anxiety is talked about more, executive function is talked about a mm -hmm. lot more social emotional learning is talked about you know and there's definitely a lot of great interventions and programs we still have a long way to go though so there's a lot of conversations I want to have yeah. to answer the question and one would be about paying more attention to the neuroscience of learning teaching kids about their brains and how mm -hmm. they can rewire them if you're feeling that you think a certain way, or maybe you want to avoid something, know that you can rewire your brain. You don't have to stay that way. And, yeah. you know, if you think that you're not good at math or you're not good at writing, know that you can get better at it. So I, th I think for kids to understand the brain, actually I have, have a little brain here. I always have one handy <laughs> that, you know, a process of neuroplasticity where the brain continues to grow and change based on how it's used it's a pretty cool thing. And I find that kids love learning about the brain. It's like mm -hmm. a superpower that we all have that based on how we use it, based on how we approach something and practice, how we take feedback, correct mistakes, all that can change your brain for the better. So I think that that's something that's really wonderful if teachers can incorporate that or parents into conversations. Yeah. And it, it also gives hope to kids too, to know that Okay, if I'm not good at something today, doesn't mean I'm always not going to be good at something. Right. I might just not be good at it yet. So I, I am very passionate about, you know, the topic of anxiety and the topic of executive function yeah. and growth mindset is another thing that I'm, I'm passionate about. So mm -hmm. those, those are conversations I want to keep going and, and just really help teacher. I want to support teachers and parents more. I think being a teacher and a parent these days is very challenging. 
It is. It is very challenging. And, you know, it, it, it boils down to the sentence that we always tell them. With hard work and dedication, you will achieve anything, right? But we don't really know what that means. <laughs> so, we don't really, really, really know what that means and what it takes, right? Sometimes, you know, we're ignorant like me. I'm ignorant to all this information. Some of it, would you share with me before? Some of it is brand new. And I probably made that mistake of telling my daughter, like, oh, don't worry, don't 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 worry about it. Just calm down and let's just relax. <laughs> and it will pass, right? Like I don't know how many times I've said that, right? And it's it, it, but I've never stopped to think that, you know, there is certain cues that I should be looking for, right? But you know, that's what we live and learn and have people like you to teach us those things, right? <laughs> Well, um, and these are the things that we probably have heard too growing up. I heard all those yeah. same things. And then I said the same thing yeah. to my kids. And it wasn't until I went to the brain conferences that I really started to learn about this and realized, yeah. okay, uh, I, I had just pushed through with anxiety my entire life, never really learned how to manage it. But I was one of those people that I did did not avoid many things I did put myself out mm -hmm. there. So I'm grateful for that, but I just kind of stuffed it down instead of learning how to manage it. And yeah. so I want kids and adults to know that there is something you can do about it to make you feel better. Yeah. All right. So Noel, I really appreciate you being here tonight. I think I will love if we can do a workshop together for parents. I think that will be amazing. So stay tuned. Coming up. I, it's already done. <laughs> I would love that. We we will just agree on a day and I will let everybody listening uh, here today know uh, we will be hosting one of these because more than anything, I want to learn. Now I'm more intrigued about what can I do better, especially when my daughter is entering into these significant years of her life who whatever you say do how you react to certain situations can change the entire course of her relationship with me right so right. I am I am very interested of learning more of this so I really appreciate you coming here sharing your story sharing your books sharing your knowledge but most importantly bringing awareness that not only they can be better but we can be better too and I think that's the most important uh, important point is how are we going to work together to make it happen, right? How can we support teachers? How can we support our kids? And how can we have the tools to, to make it work? So thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. I really, really appreciate it. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I really want to thank you. And don't miss it, guys. Noel will be doing something with us soon, a workshop on, you know, how to actually deal with the anxiety and how to identify those things. So, Noel, I just signed you up. <laughs> Twist my arm. I'm, I'm ready. I, I would love Perfect. that. I would Perfect. love that. Well, thank you so much. All right. Have a great night. Awesome. Stress less. Enjoy more. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.